welcome back. You're listening to Patriarch, the retelling of the biblical story of Abraham by me, Colin Piper. Well, relationships rarely turn out quite the way we hope and dream of. And uh, very often those landmark events that we look forward to are somehow sullied by the hurts and disappointments we encounter on the way. That's the story of this particular podcast. But the glory of it is that uh, God can redeem and God can restore. Patriarch chapter 6 part 5. Abraham had heard nothing from God that night, nor had he expected to. But then he hadn't expected the pagan king to either, so he genuinely had no idea why he was being summoned by Abimelech. As he hurried down the road with two of the king's servants, he did, of course, ask himself what it might be all about, and his mind went back to the summons by Pharaoh when the truth of his relationship with Sarah had come out that time. But this had to be different. Then the summons had been angry, even threatening. This time, as the patriarch entered the broad room, it was totally different. It was fearful, even deferential. For a few seconds there was an awkward silence as the king eyed Abraham and Abraham studied the king's eyes. It was startling. Abraham could read so much in these eyes. Fear, anger, curiosity need and more if he hadn't known better Abraham would have said these were eyes which had seen God (laughs) but he did know better and ultimately chose the eyes of anger through which to interpret the king's words what have you done to us Abimelech sat and waited for Abraham's response, but there was none. How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? Still there was no response. And Abimelech's voice rose along with his agitation and anger. You have done things to me that shouldn't be done. Still the prophet said nothing. The prophet. Abimelech was confused. What he saw and had seen in the old man just didn't match up with how God had spoken of him. His confusion quickly gave way to exasperation. What was your reason for doing this? Abimelech had stood up and began to pace, more to release the nervous energy than to intimidate his hearer. But Abraham's interpretation was different. The king's frame was sizable and at close quarters bearing down upon him, it was very intimidating. All the king had said was reasonable and and of course right. Abraham couldn't deny it. Nor could he any longer deny the reason for doing what he had done. Abimelech got his response. 
the words were hushed, spoken through lips of shame, and didn't sound like those of a prophet, either in tone or content. But the king was wise enough to recognise Abraham's authority was dependent not on what he said or how he said it, but rather on whose behalf he spoke. And now that he had heard Abraham's God, he knew he had no choice but to honour his servant. Abraham was escorted to the gates of Gerar by Abimelech himself, an honour normally reserved for only the highest dignitaries. But it was wasted on the patriarch who saw it as an embarrassment. Inside he felt such a fraud and was scared that with all this, his, his, this attention his true self might be revealed. And then when they reached the gates, embarrassment turned into humiliation. Abraham had hoped that through the gates he would finally be rid of this nightmare which was Gerar. Instead, it seemed Gerar was to come with him wherever he would run next. Abimelech had arranged a final farewell which included massed gifts of sheep and cattle. And in the midst of them all stood a company of slaves, male and female, of a diversity of races which only seafarers could accumulate. The women were beautiful enough to grace any harem. A dream for most men. Oh, but not Abraham. For him, the extravagance of the gift was an unhappy reminder of the price he had paid for them. Or more correctly, the price Sarah had paid for them. He was as disinterested in the gifts as he was in Sodom's recovered booty those years back. He would happily walk away in just the sandals he stood in as long as Sarah was by his side. But Sarah was not in the crowd. And it really looked as though this time he had truly lost her. Oh, he couldn't bear the thought of leaving without her. Taunted each step of the way by the wealth he had exchanged for her, he turned to Abimelech and his face told the story without need for words. Up until then, Abraham had seen in the eyes of Abimelech all sorts of feelings and responses to him, but this was the first time he registered respect. At best, previously, he had appeared a disappointment to be tolerated, although Abraham still had no idea why. Now, as he dropped his defences and revealed his true feelings, it appeared the pagan king had far had found at last an affinity with him and an understanding of him. Whether he was waiting for this revelation of the true man or whether indeed it was merely coincidental, Abraham would never know. But as Abimelech read Abraham's mind and heart, he gave the very slightest of nods, both to the patriarch and to his manservant who stood behind him. Each responded to the gesture differently. 
Abimelech's servant saw the command and responded, he slipped through the crowd unnoticed to fulfil his master's bidding and returned equally unnoticed. Abraham, on the other hand, felt the affinity and responded. He realised for the first time that this was no pagan king, but a kindred spirit, someone open to the voice of God who understood his pilgrimage. The man he'd cast as an enemy could actually have been a friend if only he himself had remained as open to his God as the king had apparently been. As he looked intently at Abimelech, he began to understand what he'd read in his eyes and regretted that he'd been so blind before. Abraham found the Lord in Abimelech's eyes and the eyes of his own heart were opened again. But before he could appreciate what had happened to him, he saw the king's attention shift, both physically and emotionally, and at the same time, he sensed the reason for the shift. He dared not turn round, and in any case, for the first time in a long time, he didn't need to. He knew who stood there. But all the same, when he finally did turn round, he was shocked. Sarah was radiant. More beautiful and more serene than ever, she stood with a dignity and a peace which entranced all about her. But it was something else which would etch this scene forever on Abraham's memory. For the first time, he saw that his princess was pregnant. Even though Sarah had been down this road before, the astonishing rapidity of events still shocked her. She went to bed after talking with the king at peace with God and the world and she woke to a palace in turmoil. Once more it appeared she was the cause, or it was though different this time to how it had been in Egypt. Maybe she was wiser, or maybe the king more discerning. This time she wasn't cast out like a leper, or, or worse still, the apparent cause of leprosy. Instead she was treated with a greater deference than ever before. The only information she, she could glean on what was going on that morning was gained from the other women in the palace and as ever they seemed to be more preoccupied with their babies or apparent lack of them than anything else. They even blamed her for this. And it was only as Sarah pushed them on, the, on this line that she learned of the rumours of the king's bad dreams and that her brother had been summoned to the, to the palace and now she could only wait for her summons too but she knew a surprising peace in it all. A peace, it was to turn out, which was well-founded. She was collected by a young, up-and-coming officer in the king's army called Fico, and in the most courteous of manners, she was invited to accompany the officer official to the city gate. The poor man was obviously agitated, but was also doing all he could not to show it. He attempted to walk at a dignified, leisurely pace when his whole body language suggested he wanted to run to the gates, dragging Sarah behind him. For her part, 
Sarah was in no particular hurry to get to the gates. She had a good idea of what would happen, but had little idea of how she might respond. Oh, things were now so very confusing. And they were only to get more confused still. For when she arrived at the gate, there were the usual comers and goers, but also a mass crowd of people and livestock, most of which were standing there as confused as she was by what was going on. Some, it seemed, had gathered voluntarily, a crowd drawn by a crowd. Others had evidently been gathered, neither voluntarily nor against their will, They were obviously the sort of people used to being told where to go and what to do, and over time had come to accept it as their lot in life with little complaint or or even question. Although the crowd, therefore, was largely passive, what it did do was block the view and path for Sarah and necessitated the official opening the way with a few arbitrary swings of his staff. Once more the crowd yielded, and without any further effort on the official's part, a channel was created for Sarah right through to the very heart of it all, to Abraham. Sarah was in no condition to run, which was convenient because she wasn't sure whether she wanted to. To be honest, she wasn't sure much anymore. All she was certain about lay within her And instead of her arms reaching out to her husband, instinctively they reached down to her belly. She did watch him though. And she saw that he saw. And she watched the recognition spread across his face. Oh, she had dreamed of this day. But in her dreams it had been so very different from this. She found nothing, no joy, no excitement, no pride, nothing. It meant little to her, and given her love for her husband for so long, she knew it shouldn't be this way. She greeted Abraham and turned to Abimelech, who it seemed had missed little of what had or hadn't passed between the reunited couple. Even then, though, his words were a shock to her. I am giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. It was a huge amount, but it was lost on Sarah. Instead, it was another of Abimelech's words which summed up her dilemma. Abram, her brother, had become Abram, her love. Then Abraham, her patriarch, and now the father of her child. But what really was he now to her? Twice he had denied her and she'd slipped back to sister again. The first time she had received him back as patriarch, husband, even lover. But could she do it again? As all these, and more, father? This is to cover the offence against you before all who are with you. But whose offence? The king, 
who hadn't touched her, or the husband who had given her up? The question momentarily filled her with guilt until the words from another context seemed to speak into these thoughts. You are completely vindicated. Abraham was at peace again. He had finally had his wish of finding space in the desert. On leaving Gerar, Abimelech had dramatically pointed him to the horizon and told him, the land is before you, live wherever you like. And so he found a physical peace in Beersheba down on the Egyptian border. Now he could seek a spiritual peace too. The dreadful memory of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah still plagued him and he couldn't face a return to Mamre. He still couldn't comprehend a God of such purity. But this much he did know. Somehow, this God of purity not only still tolerated him in all his failure and weakness, but even protected and cared for him. He wanted to say, love him. But that surely was too much. What moved Abraham more than anything, though, was the faithfulness of God to his promises. Sarah was pregnant. On the one hand, humanly speaking, it was a miracle. And yet, as a promise of God, it really was expected. But whichever way you looked at it, it was a joy and a wonder. And caused Abraham's heart to cry out in praise and and worship. He prayed again. The dam was burst and he prayed like never before. Still, he didn't understand how he could have access to God in this way. And often he didn't understand why God answered the way he did. But somehow he'd come to terms with the fact that he wouldn't know. And so simply trusted and believed. One day he believed he would know. But for now could accept that this probably wouldn't be in his lifetime. He'd come to terms with the fact that his journey of faith would never end. He would forever be an alien and a stranger on earth and for the most part he may only see and welcome the promises of God from a distance. But he had learned to pray. And so he prayed for Abimelech and later was to learn of the curse not only lifted off the king but also his wives and slave girls who God apparently had made barren. And he prayed for his Sarah. He prayed for her precious child in faith as one father before another and he prayed for his own peace with her, the only peace he had failed to rediscover upon leaving Gerar. In every way, apart from her relationship with Abraham, Sarah's life was perfect. As the baby grew within her, so did her excitement. She knew the Lord, his his grace and favour, and therefore knew a peace despite her old age. She knew her God was faithful and he would keep his promises. And he did. The boy was born. And this particular moment was all she dreamed it would be. She howled in her arms all she'd ever hoped for. Abraham came and she held her precious gift out to him. 
This wasn't quite how she imagined it would be. But just for that moment, something flickered within her heart. It had been far too long. And they'd come far too far not to celebrate. Just for that moment, they were one again. And when Abraham held his son to his chest and cried tears of joy, Sarah shed a tear too. The old man looked at her and laughed. A spontaneous response to an uncontrollable emotion. Isaac, he said, and sniggered, Isaac. And Sarah laughed too. The the free, pure, contagious laugh of faith. God has brought me laughter, she agreed, and giggled in an unapologetic girlish manner which was incongruous with her 90 years. And everyone who hears about this is going to laugh with me. After a while, she tired of laughing, though not of smiling was suddenly overwhelmed by the moment. The moment she'd waited a lifetime for. Now suddenly she could cry. And the tears released thoughts as well as emotions. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? It was too much. Just one more time, she struggled with her unbelief. It was just too incredible, but it was also undeniable. Yet, she looked at the old man who stood before her. I have borne him a son in my old age. And despite herself and everything, She loved him just one more time. You're listening to Patriot the Podcast. For more information, you can go to BibleNovels.com where you can become a Patreon supporter to support those working with young people across the world.